It is Thursday. You know what time it is. FRPC Sports is back on the air. It's your boy, Vince. And we have a lot of basketball to talk about. And I can't wait to get to it. Um, we are going to have a couple programming notes uh, that we need to talk about. Nico should be back within, by, by the time the, I guess you want to say the trades can begin. Nico should be back, and we're efforting to get Dane Blackburn involved, and Australia is very, very far away, and the time difference is real tough, but we're going to work it out. So, you're caught up on that. Now, we got to get to a couple things, because a couple things just hit me within the last 10 minutes. There is now a absolute push to see if Donovan Mitchell of the Cleveland Cavaliers is going to the New York Knicks. I've talked about it on this podcast in regards to what it actually means for Donovan Mitchell to go to the Knicks, how it looks, how it aesthetically looks, and I still don't see the fit. Now, obviously, a dynamic scorer like Donovan Mitchell can help anyone. The problem is is that Jalen Brunson the point guard of that team, is the heart and soul. So you will have a very small backcourt if you're telling me that Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell are going to be in that backcourt together. So as much as I hear the yearning of Nick fans wanting a star, I still don't think this is the right one. I still think you guys have to be patient and just be lurking in the weeds for the next one. Now, Donovan Mitchell in Miami Heat garb, I can see that. I can see something like that. They need some dynamicism in their offense. He would provide that. He would help the scoring punch off of Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. So... I'm not buying the Nick rumors as of yet, but there was a report, and we are a podcast that brings you all the news. So, uh, Stephanie Bondi of the New York Post is saying that there's a growing frustration within the Knicks locker room, and it's uh, directly at Quentin Grimes and his frustration with his role. Um. There clearly needs to be a change, and if the Knicks can't afford to operate within the current version of Grimes, Bondi wrote, they didn't make him an untouchable in trade negotiations for Donovan Mitchell in the past, and he would be one of the ones that would go out in the future. But again, whether whether he's upset with his role or not is inconsequential to this, because... When a star is being moved, bro, you're just a casualty of war. You're, unfortunately, you can be the greatest role player on the face of the planet, but when we're talking about the stars, we're talking about people who are really going to put you in that upper echelon of contenders for a title. If you're the person that needs to be moved or you're not satisfied with your role, unfortunately, you kind of have to get in where you fit in. Be the cog that you need to be. But I do understand, Quentin Grimes has shot very well this year. That's one of the reasons why he, he is out of the rotation. The Emmanuel Quickly story that hit earlier today was kind of odd, too. That contract uh, structure where he had no guaranteed money and there were no incentives in his contract, that was a contract that the Knicks offered him. And this is a guy that has a chance of being like a six-man-of-the-year type of player. So I don't know what's going on with the Knicks. I think that they they are star hunting. I do know that. I just don't know if Donovan Mitchell is the actual guy for what they what they really ultimately want to do. I really think it's going to be a, a wing. Now, 
you ask me which wing it's going to be, I have no clue. But I think there's going to be a wing that finds his way to New York. Or a big, but I think they really like uh, Mitchell Robinson as well. So, personally, this rumor to me is a lot to do about nothing. But we want to bring it to you just because the context. Things are starting to percolate. We're getting close to that date. December 15th is a very important date in the NBA calendar. Not because we're 10 games away from the Christmas games. These are now the first contracts of the free agents that signed in the offseason. Now they become trade eligible. So you're going to see an uptick in rumors, people going here, people going there. And we're going to try to stay on top of all of it. But I want to bring that to you first. And it actually leads me into my next thing because we were going to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers anyway. Um, I watched them last night. And has some impressions. And the first thing that I want to talk about is Evan Mobley. Uh, Evan Mobley last night is he's just not providing the impact uh, to the Cavs roster that I first initially thought he could. Um, it's it has nothing to do with the talent whatsoever, but I think it has to do with his actual nature of just being differential. Okay, he's just not a real aggressive type of guy. And for me, and this is my thoughts, for the Cavs to maximize the roster they currently have, the ceiling that for this particular roster with Donovan Mitchell on it, Mobley has to take 16 shots a game. He also has to take three or four threes a game. Now, it might be painful to watch this because of the fact that he hasn't been shooting them and he's not shooting them well. But for them to get to that upper echelon of contender as currently constituted the way they are right now, he has to be the one to make the leap. Struess, Max Struess from the Miami Heat was an amazing pickup. He brought some of that juice that they needed for that offense, but the final piece to kind of click in, if you think of it like a Lego, right, to snap in, it would be Evan Mobley increasing his aggressiveness and providing 18 points solidly every single game and also being a threat on the outside. It's not something that is not in his game. It is there. It is just, do you have the confidence to shoot the shot whether it goes in or not, and understand that this is part of your developmental path. He needs to get over whatever it is that is not allowing him to shoot that shot. And I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if uh, Kobe Altman has to come down from the executive uh, office and tell him to do it. I have no idea. But somebody needs to get in that kid's ear and tell him that he needs to be a little more aggressive. Now, the first thing we were going to lead in with is something that I thought was really funny. This is going to be a heavy, heavy, like, rumor show. Per Casey Johnson, who covers the Bulls, he's been just excellent over the years. The Bulls are hesitant to discuss any deal involving Alex Caruso. Okay. Now, that's that's coming from the front office. Okay. Um, two things here. One, I understand the mode of operation they want to they wanna enter in on, but I want to give Chicago fans, and also, if Chicago front office hasn't, made this has hasn't thought of this. I hope some alarm bells go off. Zach Levine is going to miss another three to four weeks with the uh foot soreness. Hmm. Right in time for January 15th. Why is January 15th important? Well I'll tell you. That's the that's the uh time when the Lakers 
and Rui Hachimura, who signed his contract late, he will now be trade eligible. And then you can combine the salary of D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura and bring Zach Levine to the La La to L.A. in a blockbuster deal. Now, I am here to tell you here in Lakerland, I know people in Chicago want that. I don't know necessarily if people in Los Angeles want that. And I don't know if really anyone in that front office is is very intrigued on the Levine part. But I know a lot of people in L.A. who are very, very interested in Alex Caruso. And here's the thing that I want to talk about. I understand that the Bulls won the last three games in a row. The roster needs a a major overhaul. In actuality, Caruso tied with DeRozan can fetch the Bulls a promising young player and some picks. And here's the thing. Those picks can replenish what you lost in the Vucevic trade that you did a couple years ago that Orlando is still feeding off of Chicago off of. Franz Wagner, does that name ring a bell? That could have been a Chicago Bull, right? Just, you know. Hey, we we try to be transparent here. Chicago just needs to go ahead and pull the Band-Aid off. And if you can't do anything with Levine because his desire is to go to L.A., well, you need to trade Alex Caruso and start the demolition of this team. Patrick Williams has not fit the bill when he was the fourth overall pick about three or four years ago. He has not lived up to the expectation. He has not lived up to the talent. And whatever we thought was in there as a uber-athletic, aggressive defender, maybe be able to hit corner threes at a respectable level, it just doesn't seem to have translated, and it doesn't seem like it's going to pop. So you need to go ahead and infuse your team with some more young talent. Go ahead and take your lumps and go ahead and start this development process and start it in earnestness. Now, I understand that Chicago doesn't have the desire to do that as far as when we talk about ownership because they want seats. They, you know, they want fannies and seats and all that. But your product is pretty predictable at this point. One. Two, there's no juice in your fan base about what you have on the court because the the atrocity that you're throwing out there right now is is hard to watch. Again, I do understand about the three-game winning streak, and it also coincided with Zach Levine not being on the court because from what I have been told, some of my sources have told me the last couple games, if you go back and watch Zach Levine on the court, they said he looked listless. He looked like he was in a fog or it looked like he didn't care. I'm not going to say he did not care. I just think with everything going around that young man right now, with his name being everywhere, anytime you pick up Twitter or X, Anytime you pick up uh, a ESPN, like rumor article, hoop hype, or whatever it is, the first thing you see is Zach Levine's name up there. So there's a lot going on. I can understand maybe, you know, your head got caught up with the mix and you just needed a little time away. So let's let this marinate for a second. But as far as Chicago is concerned, waiting on Caruso and trying to figure out what you're going to do or try to keep him. Let me tell you something. This dude's 29, okay? It's not like he's super old, but he's 29, and your your timetable for winning does not match his. So if he's going to be the piece that's going to get you the most back as far as picks or whatever the case may be, go ahead and take that deal as immediately, all right? Um, 
let's get to a couple other things. Um, we talked about a lot about some little downtrodden things, but we're gonna talk about some pure sunshine now. You know. All right, let's get into some happy news. Um, let's shout out some guys who had some big time performances last night. Uh, we're all aware. It's been all over Instagram and X and TikTok. Joel Embiid put up a 50-piece last night. Okay, 13 rebounds and seven dimes. Now, he did have six turnovers. We will talk about that because the one thing that we need to understand, listen, it's impressive that Joel Embiid scored 50 points last night, no doubt, in that victory over the Washington Wizards. By the way, Joel Embiid against the Washington Wizards this year, 49 points a game. So my man, he, he wants to play against as Washington as much as he possibly can. Okay? Um, but the six turnovers is still the thing that is going to be the piece that haunts Joel Embiid in the playoffs because he has to be able to value the basketball. I do like that he is becoming a very giving offense initiator and getting his other teammates involved. And maybe as he continues this process throughout the year, the turnovers will start to subside a little bit. That's the hope. But he's been a turnover magnet since the day he started playing. So I don't know if that's something that really gets out of his game, but I do like that he's offering the ball, sharing the sugar with his teammates. But shoot, shout out to our guy, Joel Embiid, for dropping a 50, 50 bomb on the Washington Wizards. But he wasn't the only one getting up the points last night because we got two other guys to shout out. And you know, anytime, anytime I get the chance to talk about Desmond Bain, of the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm definitely going to do that because Desmond Bain is one of our favorites here at FRPC. Um, he scored 49 points last night, six rebounds, eight dimes. He was seven for seven from the free throw line. My wife will love that because free throws are free, as she would say. Um, I mean, listen, they've had a down season. They're like eight games under 500 at this point. But that kid is always on. That kid is always trying to get better. Uh, he is a major, major building block for the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm a, I'm just a huge fan of his. I love kids that just get it out the mud. He is one of those. And he has worked extensively on his game, on playmaking, on his defense, he looks like a Greek god. You know, that dude's arms are, and shoulders are ridiculous. Um, but uh, shout out to our guy, Desmond Bain, for putting up 49 last night. But you would think that's where all the love I would have to give would, would end right there. No, I have another. Luka Doncic last night. 40 points. Okay, 11 rebounds and 11 dimes last night. So he had a 40-point triple-double. It seems like old hat for Luka Doncic at this point. Here's the most impressive thing. They beat the brakes off of Utah last night. 50 points. That was the deficit last night. And I told you here earlier... And if you are new to the podcast, go back and get into the crates. You know, crack open the crates, get into the archive pods, because they are available on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, but most likely on Spotify mostly. Because I want to see how many times I end up on people's uh Spotify raps next year. Um but a 50 point deficit. We said early in our predictions that we thought that Utah would kind of scale back the uh, 
the onslaught they were putting on to the NBA last year. And if you notice this year, some of the rotations look a little funky. Walker Kessler has been coming off the bench. Now, I know he's coming back from injury and what have you. John Collins is getting a lot of burn. Our guy who we loved in the draft process, Taylor Hendricks out of Central Florida, getting no love whatsoever, right? Our guy, Keontae George of Baylor, he's getting a lot of love, which is good. So we're, we're happy about that. But it's just a funky roster. Um, You can... You can almost tell it's kind of like, well, this is what we have. It's not really, dude. Not really. But they got beat by 50. They're towards the bottom of the league, and I think it's kind of by design. If, if, if I'm speaking real honestly, I think it's really by design. All right. Um, you know what? I want to get to a couple draft things. Now, we said that we're going to be doing this, so we're going to, we're feeding it into you a little bit. The guy that I really want to talk about is, um, is, uh, Nikola Tokic from, he's from Mega. Now, this is an overseas kid. Now, he just turned 18. So I want, I want you to understand that he's playing in the Adriatic League. He's 18 years old. He's 6'6", about 200 pounds. He is shooting 61.6% from two-pointers right now. That means he's going to the hole. He's shooting mid-rangers. He's got 20-footer down. Now, the three-point shot, not as great yet. But he's getting he's getting six, he's getting 17 points. Five, he's getting seven dimes. Five and a half rebounds, and he's shooting 80% from the free throw line. So I have all the hope in the world that the three-point shot will come along. By the way, he's getting he's it's not like this kid is freelancing and just jacking up shots. Tokic is getting all of his brilliance within the framework of the offense. Like I said, he does struggle from three. But if the three-point shot does come along and it becomes respectable, it just becomes like he becomes like a 35% shooter. This is mini Luka Doncic. Now, you might say, Vince, that sounds like hyperbole. The one thing that I'm not going to do anymore in my draft coverage, now, obviously, I'm going to do a lot more work on the kid what have you, but from what I have seen so far, his instincts for the game, his court vision, his willingness to get in there and and grab rebounds, his competitiveness and his ability to share the ball with his teammates, and he plays an enjoyable game to watch. So, we like the Nikola Jokic way of playing. We gave a lot of love to DeMontis Sabonis on the last pod on Monday. So, if you haven't checked that out and you're a Kings fan, go check that pod out. But this is another kid that is going to be very skilled. And he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And he's going to want to prove that he's going to be one of the very best that has come over. So I think you're going to there's no doubt to me if the three-point shot comes along I think he can be a front-end rotation guy. I don't know if necessarily he can be your number 1, but he might be a a really awesome 3 in a in a legit 2 like in a pinch. So um if you haven't checked him out on YouTube Topic, it's spelled like Topic so T O P I C, and he's from Mega, and uh, he's one of the high draft picks, or right now scheduled to be in the lottery or whatever. But I wanted to show him some love right now because uh, what I've been able to see from him has been really impressive, and it's the instincts that I love the most. 
the scoring and all that, yeah, I mean, we see a lot of dudes put up 25 now. It's the instincts that have me buzzing a little bit about him. Because he does get in the passing lanes. He does know when to kind of maneuver his defender. These are things that you usually you see in people who are like been in the league like four or five years. He seems to have some of this down now. So keep a lookout for Takich Omega, and we'll have more on him as we continue along with the draft process. But I definitely wanted to shout him out. The other guy that I wanted to shout out to is um, <clears throat> Ree Shepard of Kentucky. Uh, Ree Shepard, um, Nico has been doing a lot of work on him, and he's he's caught Nico's eye. The one thing with Ree Shepard is that what you're going to get, he was the last of the Kentucky recruits. He wasn't as highly rated, even though he was a McDonald's All-American. I think he was like 24th overall or what have you. But this kid can flat out shoot. And when he's paired with Dillingham, those two in the backcourt seem to feed off one another. Um, they seem to have some sort of connectivity that is um, organic. And it seems to be that their best lineup. Even though I know that DJ Wagner is the most ballyhooed guy that they got in the recruiting wars or what have you, I think the Dillingham-Reed-Shepard uh, combination has given Kentucky dividends exponentially so far. So keep a lookout for Reed Shepard. Watch a Kentucky game, you know, if you're starting your draft process now. All right. Now, I have a couple more things to get to, and then we can get up out of here. Um, the <laughs> It's our annual time of season to ponder the trade assets of the one Toronto Raptors. <clears throat> now, here's the thing. We go through, the, through this almost every year, and then we're always teased by, oh, well, OG Ananobi's going here. Last year was Fred Van Vliet, right? Fred Van Vliet was going somewhere. There was no way they were going to lose him for nothing. Right. And again, here was another asset that walked away in Fred Van Bleet. He went to Houston. He got the $40 million contract um, per year. And uh, he walked for free. We are staring down the barrel of Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. And Gary Trent Jr. walking away from Toronto. Um, I I am I'm a little incredulous, but I, as somebody who does this for a living, as somebody who analyzes the NBA, this to me is almost like malpractice at this point. You, they must do something with these guys. I don't care if you blow it up. I don't care if you get um, veteran talent in there. If you want to just have an influx of like, you just want to be, you know, like high forties, you know, win total and give your fans some excitement and, and get into the playoffs and maybe get to a second round and get a little frisky. Okay, fine. But you can't let these guys walk away for absolutely nothing. Not th this one. This one would be a grounds too far. Okay, this is just a step too far. Um, let's talk about what they have. Okay, so Pascal Siakam is in the last year of his deal. He's making thirty-seven million eight hundred ninety-three thousand four hundred eight dollars. That's what his cap number is right now. But as we continue to go down the season, that number goes down as well. So now we're a quarter away through the season. So what we can take uh we can take nine to ten million off of that now. Okay. Um Pascal Siakam would be great on a lot of teams. I think we've heard the Golden State Warriors a lot. Um this might be a sneaky 
heat culture guy. Um, my wife would like that because any help for Jimmy Butler um, is is something that she, it's almost like Sally Struthers esque. You know, uh, back in the day, she used to have these like late night infomercials about dogs and sadness and, and things of that nature. Um, I think modern day, what's what's the what's the lady's name who sings? Sarah McLaughlin sings a song, songs of uh, song of angel. So, you know, we've heard we've heard we've heard a lot of people ask for Pascal Siakam to be traded. <clears throat> There's a lot to do in there because you can do multiple pieces, young pieces back that have multiple years on your contract. You could get like one big piece that's an expiring contract and get picks back there's so much you can do with just that specific contract alone now if you add in OG Ananobi's 18 that $18,642,857 um here is a, a very middling contract very easy to move he is a, a wing that a lot of people would desire a lot of franchises would like that um and again, because we're still in that kind of, we're moving towards the completion of the new CBA, but next year you won't be able to put salaries on top of one another to get to that number, but this year you can't. So there's a lot of teams that can get to that $18 million number at this point. And again, what do you want for Angie uh, OG Ananobi? Do you want picks? I would think you probably want picks, right? Unless you felt that your scouting department found something in a guy that you weren't able to draft at the time of whatever, and you are getting something that has, you know, been marginalized a little bit, and somebody is a diamond in a rough. I don't know what you do there, but there's another contract that should be moved before the deadline. And then we get to Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. is a sharpshooter. He's also 6'6". He also has a little uh, on-ball creation. He would be a great just 3 and D wing. You know, we'll, we'll keep the D in there. There's not a lot of D, but there's some D in there. Um... He's making eighteen million five hundred and sixty thousand, just on the button. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So, these are three guys. These are the usual usual suspects for Toronto. These are the names that you're going to hear a lot of. You might hear Chris Boucher also like thrown in as part of a deal. But this has to be the year for Toronto. This has to be the year that they move. Um, whether it's in one direction of getting vets in there and trying to make a playoff push, or it's getting younger, giving the team to Scotty Barnes in earnestness, you know, not just in theoretical, and allow them to completely rebuild this team and uh, see what Masai Jerry could do. What I've been told is that it's more the ownership group has handcuffed him. That's the word. I don't know how this ownership group can look at their team and go, you know what? If these kids just gel together, we can be a 50-win team like next year. Unfortunately, time has run out. Pascal Siakam will be gone next year if you don't trade him. OG, you still can, he'll be a restricted free agent, so you still have some capability of retaining him or trading him in the offseason, but you don't have that luxury for Siakam or Gary Trent Jr. So time in the hourglass is starting to run out for the Toronto Raptors. So we hope we're going to be monitoring that situation. Uh, 
as we get closer and closer to December 15th and January 15th, but I think we'll see some things start to percolate around the 15th and just a little bit before. At least we'll have maybe more clarity about who are some of the players who are going to jump out and grab some of these assets early as well. Um, Is there anything else? Oh, had a funny little skit about this. (laughs) <laughs> I'm still going to use it anyway. Um, this is a vibe that I get from Toronto at this point in time. You know, we just talked about all the assets. Time is running out. But this is the vibe. Should they kick off the start of the rebuild? Nah, son. That's not how we do things around OVO country. OVO, Drake, y'all get it. We allow our assets to sit and lose value annually, now daily. That's the vibe here, son. <laughs> Listen, whatever the strategy is in Toronto, it needs to be fixed because, I, again, you can't have assets like that just walk out the building. It's, it's, it's malpractice to the franchise, and it's a disservice to the Scotty Barnes of the world and some of the other young pieces that you have there. So I hope Toronto gets their stuff together and makes these trades and get everything on track. Speaking of change, I'm going to end the pod with two doozies, so bear with me. Probably be breakout clips here later. The Warriors. They're just too small. Like, I'm looking at this team, and I love Steph. I do, but they're small. Here's a couple things that I think can fix the Warriors at this point. I would like to see Klay Thompson as kind of a six-man, like a microwave scorer off the bench. Now you don't have to worry about whether he's taking on, like, you know, one of the tougher defensive roles or whatever. Now he's going up against second units mostly. I think also him being able to move around with the second unit, maybe less pressure on him. I think he might be able to flourish in that role. I told you I had thoughts, so here we go. The second thing that I would do with the Golden State Warriors, I would trade Chris Paul to either San Antonio or New Orleans. That'd be funny trading them to New Orleans, right? Here's the reason why I'm looking at trading Chris Paul. Both those teams have wings uh, that are long, and they also have a big that they can bring back and return. Um, They need players that can fit their system. And right now, what they have on their roster really doesn't. Chris Paul does a ton of pick and roll. Like, when he was in Phoenix, he, you know, per 100 possession, he was doing, like, like 36 pick and rolls a game, right? In Golden State, I think they averaged, like, 11, like, total. So, they don't, they don't adhere to those type of principles that Chris Paul is very effective in. Now, you sent Chris Paul to San Antonio, it helps... Victor Wimbayama's development, right? Um, It would give them a grown-up on the court. And they have some things that would fit what San Antonio is doing right now, right? Um, The other thing that I would love to see, trade Jonathan Kaminga, tie him with uh, Wiggins, And get somebody who can consistently give Steph Curry a real running partner when it comes to the offense. Right now, Steph is doing way too much. He is carrying that team. Every once in a while, Andrew Wiggins comes up with like a 17 to 22 point game. 
Draymond is not a offensive threat. Clay, like I said, I think if we put him as a six-man role, he might be more effective, but he's not giving Steph the help that he needs right now. We have killed the confidence of Jonathan Kaminga. We've killed the confidence of Moses Moody. You've already traded James Wiseman away. You need to get step if you're trying to keep your championship window open, you need to get Steph some real help. You need to get bigger. One. Two. You need a offense, a potent offensive second to Steph Curry. And at this point in time, um, he is a Hall of Fame player. He is a four-time champion. Uh, He's one of the best guys in the NBA um, as far as people is concerned. But Clay probably needs to take a a more tertiary role at this point. Oh, and then the last thing. Allow uh, Podzimski, and if you keep Moody, allow them to play through their mistakes because those wings, those guys can help them, and they're dynamic and athletic, and they should allow them to play through the mistakes and develop these guys and, and, and stop playing around and talk about these championships that you had long ago, okay? It's time to get these guys going, get them ready, get them ready to play meaningful minutes in the playoffs, And the only way they can do that is you allow them to play through their mistakes. Kind of like something that Curry used to do with Steph Curry back in the day. So, sounds about right to me. All right, we're going to end on a big one. Um, I've been thinking about this for the last couple days because I just couldn't figure it out. And this is probably going to hurt Bill Simmons a lot. But, I watched the Celtics. And the Celtics are a very good team. They are probably one of the best teams in the NBA. By record, it definitely shows. They also have a really dynamic offense. It starts off with a seven foot three um, aircraft carrier in Christoph Porzingis, and also you you know you have the just the brilliance of Jason Tatum, who is going to be all NBA again. He's just fantastic in every way. But the one thing that I did notice about Boston is they play one style. And it is drive and kick. And that is it. There is no, um, let's get the ball inside, pound it, whatever case may be. So, I know the Boston fans are a little worried about Jalen Brown and his contract. But also know that under no circumstances... Do you want to see Jalen Brown go away? Well, maybe after you hear the name that I'm about to say and some of the reasons why, you might want to rethink that. Here's what I like to see in Boston. I want to trade Zion Williamson for Jalen Brown and Peyton Pritchard. Now hear me out. New Orleans, here's the first reason. The city of New Orleans is going to win in this deal. You talk about a civic leader. You talk about somebody who really cares about the black community and wants the influx of, of, of you know economic growth in the black community. Jalen Brown is your guy. Okay? He is very active when it comes to social and economic issues in the black community. He's done a lot in Boston. He's done a lot in other areas where he has planted his flag, okay? Number two, Brandon Ingram, B.I. What's the difference between B.I. and Jason Tatum? I mean, he'd be playing with another another, uh, offensive creator, long wing, that he can play Robin to there. Actually, he might get maybe the same amount of shots that he gets here in Boston, so... It's a win-win there as well. But as far as the play is concerned, it's not far off from what he's currently doing now. 
the uh, the the third reason, and this is for the Celtics side. Yes, you're going to lose a little defense when it comes to Zion Williamson, no doubt, right? No doubt. But Zion's gravity and his ability to play make and find open shooters. Keep in mind, the Boston Celtics currently have Derek White, Christoph Porzingis, and Drew Holiday, and also obviously Jason Tatum. But as far as sharpshooting is concerned, if you're telling me that Zion Williamson is kicking it out to those three guys on the perimeter and all they have to do is catch and shoot because there are four dudes in the lane as Zion Williamson is barreling in on the goal, this sounds awesome to me. This is why I highly approve this trade. Um, I think it would truly open up the offense. I understand they're one of the best offensive teams in the, you know, in the NBA now. But listen, if you want to put it over the top, you want to be mentioned in the offense like Nikola Jokic, things of that nature. A dynamic six foot six, three hundred pound wing in Zion Williamson. And here's the other thing that I think would even help Zion. I lived in Boston for 15 years, as you know. I talk about it a lot. That's one of the best sports cities in in the country. Now, I'm not sitting here and say, oh, well, this, this place is better. I'm just talking about from what I view, how they care about their team. And maybe this is what Zion would need. A place that cared a lot about the game and about him and how he performed. And maybe, just maybe, he would feel accountable to that fan base and want to play. And we would see the true Zion Williamson. And if you're an NBA fan, that's all you've ever wanted is to see the true version of Zion. Now, Couple other things. Uh, the Pels fan base would no longer hold their breath about whether Zion was going to play. The one thing you know about Jalen Brown is he's going to post every single day. This dude wants to play. He doesn't miss games. Okay? He does not miss games. Oh, bonus for the, the New Orleans Pelicans. This means that Trey Murphy III can get out of prison and play some basketball. And the reason why I say it like that is because with Zion there, Trey Murphy is definitely going to be in a tertiary role. Without Zion there, you can have a roster construction where you have you have a Valanchunas as your center. You have Trey Murphy III as your power forward. You have Brandon Ingram as your small forward. You have Jalen Brown as your two guard and C.J. McCollum. Do you have spacing? Can Jalen Brown get to the rim and dunk in people's face? Because, oh yeah, he still has that. By the way, you it's not like you getting a bad athlete in Jalen Brown. Okay? This dude will dunk on people. People will be put on posters. We're going to be calling people's mama and asking them, are they okay? Because your son just got, just he's dead. I, I'm sorry. Jalen just dunked on him. Okay? So, it's a win-win. The money works, by the way. And here's the last little piece that I'll give you. Uh, the player personnel guy, Griffin, and uh, Trajan Langdon in New Orleans, they're sitting on picks. They're still sitting on picks. They got Laker picks. They got other people's picks, and they got their own. So Bayou Country is ready to make a big deal. And I think it'll help both franchises. Now, listen, you can... Think this is clickbait if you want. I put a lot of thought into this deal. 
personally. And I think for Zion, you need to change the scenery, my man. If you haven't noticed, you are now the number two option in New Orleans. Oh, here, better yet, you go to Boston and you like like the number three or four option. And now whatever you do, it's just going to be loved. Less pressure on you, my guy. Less pressure on you. And for Jalen, you give him a community like New Orleans to rally around him and he can embrace that. And all of the things that have gone on in those parishes in New Orleans over the years. Man, I I don't know to me if there was a a better trade out there. So just something for everybody to think about. Now, if you strongly disagree or agree, you know where to find me on X. Front runner PC, baby. All day, all night. Check out the YouTube channel. Front Runner Podcast Collective. We will have clips up there. I'm efforting to put up clips, a couple more clips from last pod. And also, we're going to put up clips from this pod. Because I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to debate my Jalen Brown for Zion trade. Um, That's it. So, enjoy the in-season tournament. If you want some picks for that, check this out. The Lakers are going to play the New Orleans Pelicans later on tonight. I think the Pelicans are going to win. So, I don't know why. I just Maybe it's just the, those kids can play with a lot of energy and force when they want to. So, that's my pick. As a Laker fan, I want to see the Lakers win this because I want them to get to the championship of the in-season tournament. Not because we care about the in-season tournament. Just the spectacle, having LeBron on that stage Saturday night, all eyes on him. You know, still a Laker fan at heart. Always will be. But that is that. Oh, Milwaukee and the Pacers. Give me the upset. Give me Indiana. I'm going with the... Man, I'm going with both upsets. I'm going with Pelicans and uh, the Pacers. All right, cool. All right. We got Pacers and and, and Pelicans in the championship game. I really want the Lakers to be there. I really do. But Pelicans, Pacers, finals, in-season tournament. Those are my thoughts. What are yours? Sound off on X at Frontrunner. PC, or if you shy and you don't want to talk to the big dog, you can talk to Nico. It's at at Nico FRPC. All right, that'll do it for me. I thank you guys for your time today. Enjoy all the hoops throughout the weekend, and we will see you down the road very, very shortly. <laughs>